Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this beautiful Sunday morning, and Lord, we ask that you would accept our worship and song. Lord, that you would give us the ability to hear and understand your word. Lord, I pray for clarity in the preaching, and yet, Lord, the Holy Spirit must do the work in each individual heart, and we ask that he would have complete freedom, and Lord, none of us would saying no to the beckoning of the Spirit of Almighty God today. Lord, we pray that each part of this service would be done in worship to your holy name. And Lord, that you would change us so that we could take this worship from here and live it each and every day of this coming week. We ask for your blessings that we may glorify the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to turn to the book of Ephesians, where we're going to spend uh, uh, most of our time, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we were able finally to get our theme banners up for this year, and uh, thank you for your patience there, just trying to uh, work on these things to, to, to be worded in such a way. And, of course, the banners here just use the Scripture that, uh, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Ephesians 5.1 just gives us a, a, a simple command here, Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children. And uh, I'll tell you, we've, we've worked on many things over the years, but this year I would, I would like for us to, to really, really stop and think and try to grasp these truths. Uh, I wish it were natural for each of us as Christians to walk the narrow way. But you know what? It's not. Every part of our being, every understanding that we are able to assess of this life and the world around us demands that we step out of that narrow way. The devil loves to get you into a situation where you're choosing the least of two evils because no matter which way you go, you're still choosing evil in rebellion to a holy God. Are are we together on that? God wants us to walk in that narrow way. You enter the straight gate when you get saved, when you trust Jesus as your Savior. Jesus said, listen, uh, unless you're converted, unless you're saved, you can't get into heaven. And once you're saved... Your life effort, the greatest accomplishment that you can uh, 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 reach in this life is to become as a little child. Now, that's not very flattering, is it? Uh, That doesn't uh, fan our inner spark of divinity. And, And if you do have an inner spark of divinity, it has Horns on it, let me promise you that. Uh, It it is not from the God of heaven. Uh, The uh, the heart is deceitful above all things. And and if you'll uh, just think back to Song of Solomon chapter 1, our greatest efforts only make us unfit to live in the palace with the king. Here's what... Paul told the Corinthians, chapter 1, just listen closely and we'll get to Ephesians 5 in just a moment. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, Not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. 
And God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of this world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. If, if there is any message in this book, the Bible, it is that God is, and that God is good, and that we are not. But God still loves us. Aren't you glad about that? I love the way my preacher, I hope you never hear tired of hearing these words. He just put it so eloquently. He says, God knew everything about me. He knows everything about me. And he still loves me. Don't ever get over that. That's what John was saying when he said, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And so, as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, we are coming toward the end, actually. Five of six chapters in the book of Ephesians. In this first verse here, I want you to follow along carefully as we read this this morning. Be ye therefore followers of God... As dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. What a statement. Uh, I've had a lot of experience with children over the years. I think I can safely say that. And uh, working with children and, and, and our own family and, and uh, even before that in children's ministries and things. Uh, and how many of you have ever been in a class, if you remember back in school, and the teacher had a pet, and it wasn't you. And you're sitting there going, why does the teacher like them so much, and they don't like me? How many of you have gotten old enough to figure that thing out? Hello? Uh, Are there reasons why... Certain people engender the affection of a teacher. Could one of them be because that student may just be in love with the subject that the teacher is teaching? I try to challenge my sons, especially as mother is homeschooling them, that your job as a student is to make the duty of teaching easier for your mother. It doesn't always work that way. But but really, if you want to be that teacher's pet, isn't, isn't that the way it works? I mean, here's what Paul's saying. He said, we're supposed to be followers of God. As dear children. Now... How many of you have ever tried to take little children on a walk? Oh my. How many of you remember going on a walk as a little child? Praise the Lord. Thank you for all that prayed. We got Grandma and Grandpa and Joanna uh, on the plane. They called us, uh, texted us about, uh, was about 12.30 this morning and said, we're boarding the plane. And so they're... Uh, headed to Shanghai and then from there to the Philippines. And and so continue to pray for them on that trip there. But praise the Lord, that was... Um, uh, we got we got them off okay. and But on many occasions, we've tried to take our children and 
And uh, Grandpa Marshall, just he just knows a lot about trees and birds, and especially in West Virginia where he lives. And, and uh, uh, we said, uh, Grandpa, will you take the little ones on a nature walk and just show them some of the beautiful things that are here in the woods in West Virginia? Because, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, natural flora and fauna in, in New York City. I think you'd agree with me there. And so as he would take these little children on a walk, he's trying to point out uh, a sassafras tree. Now, how many of you know what those are good for? They don't grow very well up here this far north, but uh, they're wonderful, wonderful trees. It's where you get the original flavoring for root beer is uh, sassafras, and uh, it's a a really neat thing. uh, But he's trying to show them the tree there, and break off the leaves and let them smell them. And they're looking at a mushroom over here and they're looking at something over here. And and somebody's walking ahead and saying, when, when are we going to go back and get something to eat? And Does that sound a little too familiar? Do you get where I'm going with this? How many of you say, Pastor, I understand the point you're trying to make. Would you raise your hand so I can see that? If you don't, we'll start over again. You see, there's a difference between following and following as dear children. And we want to look at that today. So we start with the first word of our text. It says, be. Now, B is one of the smallest words in the English language, but it has such an incredible meaning. In fact, the B verb is the basis of most languages as we try to understand things. And here it says, Be ye therefore. Now, Whenever you see therefore, wherefore, or hitherto in in your King James Bible, you have to understand that Paul is referring to things that he has already laid down. And we cannot go through the entirety of the book, but if you would, just look at chapter 3, verse 19. Chapter 3 and verse 19, uh, why don't we read 18 with it? It says, uh, uh, 17, I'm sorry, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all all the fullness of God. Now, I want to challenge you that what Paul has laid down in chapter 3 here is the foundation, is the basis of this B when we get to chapter 5. It is the therefore. How are we to be a follower of God, (coughs) excuse me, if we do not have The love of God dwelling in us. If we do not allow God to do His work. You see, the Bible says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, this is one of the lies that the devil has propounded since the Garden of Eden. What did he tell Adam and Eve in the Garden? If you disobey God you're going to become more like Him. And there was a little bit of truth in that. He said, you're going to know both good and evil. The lie is that once we know evil, you can never go back to good. That's why Eve was deceived. The sad part about it was Adam wasn't deceived and he still did it anyway. That's why God judged Adam. And judge mankind because of sin. But if we will accept the love of God, He will come in us. You cannot become like God. You cannot become a God. But you can have 
the presence of Almighty God in the person of the Holy Spirit of God living in your heart. You know, you stop and think about it, that's a whole lot better than being your own God. You know why? Because if the Spirit of God is living in you, then He's making the decisions and you're not. Could we hear an amen to that? He's got it all figured out and we don't have to figure it all out. We can trust God. We can live in that love relationship. God's way is always best. Now, let's look at chapter 4 for just uh, a, a very moment here. In verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above you, above all, and through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Again, whole series of sermons right here in these verses. But this is part of the therefore. We are to walk worthy, but how do we walk worthy? We walk worthy by accepting that grace that God gives us and letting His grace do a work. And where is that going to lead us? Read the next few verses. Uh, let's just skip down to verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. What we have here is the church of Jesus. Be ye therefore. Why? Because of God's love to us, the work of His grace in our lives will bring us to an understanding that there is one God, one faith, one baptism, that we are to live our Christianity in the context of the local church, period. There, uh, so much rides, so many doctrines are attached. If you do not understand what a church is, I promise you nothing in this book is going to make sense. Uh, I was reading an a, a introduction to a book on dispensationalism that I'm reading because on Thursday nights we're studying there and I... I found a, a new book that I hadn't seen before, and I said, wow, I'm just going to get this thing and, and read it. And the introduction was amazing, because he talks about everything is about the universal, invisible church. And I'm sitting there going, wow, how can somebody that is so right on certain things be so wrong on the important thing? This idea of a universal, invisible church is nothing but a play on words. In fact, he, I have not been able to find the original quote since I was a student in Bible college that Philip Melanchthon passed Luther a note during the Luther-Eck debates because X, the Catholic uh, defendant there who was defending the Catholic faith, knew that Luther believed that the Catholic Church was the universal church of Jesus Christ. That's what the word Catholic means. It means universal. 
they made the claim that they were the universal, visible church of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you need an education? Do we need to waste time to understand that there cannot be anything as a universal, visible anything? Uh, God is the only universal, period. And he says that he is universal in his presence, in his dominion. Jesus, when he was here on earth, said, The Son of Man which is in heaven, present tense. So, Eck put this out to Luther, and Luther was stumped. Fortunately, sitting beside him was a man named Philip Melanchthon, the brains of the Reformation, And he wrote him a little note. He said the church is universal but invisible. It was simply a play on words to win a debate. And every modern day scholar teaches a universal invisible church. And the thing that was interesting is I was reading the introduction and said the universal invisible church started in Lutheranism. I said, hey, I got confirmation on my quote even though I can't find the original, but the simple truth is the church is a local, visible assembly of believers. That's what the Bible teaches. I want to challenge you, therefore, will not work for you Unless you understand that there is a local assembly of believers that Jesus Christ has put together so that we can be a part of that. This is what protects us in verse 14 uh, as our theme is being as children, being as dear children, uh, becoming as a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Here we have what might seemingly be a contradiction that says that we henceforth be no more children. Well, here's the, here is the, the clue here. Here is the connection. The word as is not in here. How many of you have met a physical adult who is developmentally a child? You got that? Uh, how many of you would admit to acting developmentally as children on occasion? And don't look at me that way. I know what you did on Christmas when somebody gave you a present, right? Uh, you're just reliving the child days. Oh, wow, somebody got me something. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that in certain occasions. But here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he's saying, listen, there are people out there. There is... Something about a little child, it's called innocence. And sometimes my children will go to me, Dad, are you teasing me or are you telling me the truth? Because sometimes you just like to joke and have a little fun and, and we want to do that. And we always want to keep a strong line between what is truth and what is not truth. Amen? But we live in a world where we have teachers in school teaching things that are fact that aren't fact at all. Teaching that the God of the Bible is not a true person. Teaching that the Ten Commandments should have no bearing on behavior. We have people teaching all of these things. And listen, you and I aren't going to stop them. Uh, All these debates and apologists that are out there, they have not done one bit of good. Because here's where good happens. This is the therefore. Is when I accept the grace of God, let it do its work. And that draws me to the fellowship of a local assembly where I am built up and I am instructed in the words of God. And how you can know that is simply by reading in the Bible 
for yourself. And so we take these principles, we take these things, and, and the Bible tells us here in verse 1 of chapter 5 that we are to be something. What we're to be is followers of God. Why are we to be followers of God? Because of the information that is here, the love of God. The fact that there is one faith, and that faith is to be lived out in the fellowship of a local church. And then he says that we are to be followers of God. But look at verse 20 of chapter 4. It says, But ye have not so learned Christ. Now what he's talking about here is people that are living against the Bible... Verse 18, having their understanding darkened. Verse 19, who being past feelings had given themselves over to lasciviousness, that is, uh, 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 wicked and perverted desires. And it says, you have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and that ye have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off Concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The work that God wants to do in the believer is to separate us from the world. Would we say amen to that? To help us stop living like we in the world. But you, verse 21, you've got to be heard. You've got to hear it. You've got to listen to it. You have to be taught. You have to know and understand that the truth is in Jesus Christ. As a young preacher, I used to tell people, well, listen, I'm not trying to tell you how to live. I don't say that anymore because I am trying to tell you how to live. I am trying to get the message of Jesus Christ through your shell of defense so that you can be changed in the inward man. That's what it says here. That once we've been heard and we're taught, we are to be, we are to put off the old man. We are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We are to put on Christ, and we are to put on the new man, which is which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is the work of God in the life of the believer. Now we move on to the next phase here. If you're going to be a follower of God, this is where you start. Amen? Uh, and then... The work of God through the believer is this. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying. Boy, that's tough sometimes, isn't it? You know, we live in a world where lying is supposed to be a good thing today. That's not not true. The Bible tells us to put away lying and speak Every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. How about this next one? Be ye angry. Oh, I wish there were a period right there. Don't you? How many of you gotten angry this week? Just lift up your hand. Come on. If you didn't. You probably just lied. Go back to verse 25. Let's put away lying. Let's speak the truth. I've heard sermons preached that every instance of anger on the part of a human being is sinful. Well, I'm not tending to believe that because our Lord got angry on more than one occasion. Was he sinful? Absolutely not. But let me ask you a question. How many of us have been prompted to commit sin because we were under the influence of anger? We say things we ought not say. We do things we ought not do. 
The Bible says, be ye angry. Now, I, I believe the Bible. Uh, and I believe that Paul said what he meant, that he was directed by the Holy Spirit, because the only other option is to go back and trans, uh, transgress, verse 25, and to lie. How many of you have ever been angry and you lied about it? I'm not upset. I'm okay. Hello? And this is free, but you, uh, why depression is the number one issue in, in our psychological well-being as very sensitive Americans is because we refuse to admit that we're experiencing anger and we try to cover it up. We think that the best thing we can do is, I'm not angry, I'm not angry. Well, where does that anger go? It turns around and works down inside. And that is the cause of depression. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. You know what? You don't have to curse when you get angry. Amen? You, you don't have to call other people names when you get angry. How many of you have ever gotten angry at someone because you knew that they did something wrong and then as you examined the, the problem, you found out that uh, <coughs> you were the cause? Anybody else guilty of that? Oh. Do you think that might be what Paul's talking about here? Amen? Oh, me? Uh, this does not reflect kindly on us, but if you're going to be that dear child, you've got to get a hold of this. You've got to put away lying. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You better solve that problem. You better solve it now. You better solve it today. And if it's not solvable today, you need to at least be able to put it in a situation where you can deal with it tomorrow. Are, you, are we together on that? This is, this is God's work. If I'm putting on Christ, if I have His love in me, these are the things that I'm going to do. Neither give place to the devil. Oh, please, do not. Years ago, we had someone here in the church, and we were talking about something, and he was disagreeing, and he said, well, I just want to be the devil's advocate. I said, whoa, this is a church. The devil's got enough advocates. We don't need any more of that. Amen? Don't give place to the devil. How do we give place to the devil? A whole other sermon, really and truly, but we give place to the devil when we lie. We give place to the devil when we're angry and we sin because of that anger. We give place to the devil when we refuse to deal with things in our life. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. By the way, you don't have to carry a gun to steal from people now, do you? You can steal so many ways. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. We, we all do that. We let ourselves take things that belong to others and use it for ourselves. That's selfishness. And it's the most common form of thievery. And we're all guilty we say amen to that? What's the next one? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Wow. That's what James is talking about in James chapter 3 when he says the tongue is an unruly evil and no man can tame it. Right, right here. Sometimes 
You say, well, all he's doing was just telling the truth. Well, did it minister grace? If it didn't, then let's go back through the rest of these things. Amen? Put away lying. Deal with anger. Don't try to cover it up and pretend that it isn't there. Maybe you just need to go out and go for a walk. Uh, get away from things. Uh, if you have to, go close yourself in the bathroom. Most people don't bother you there for at least a few minutes. Get this thing solved. You see, then he goes through a whole list. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. If you want to know what that is, it explains it. Verse 31, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, to be put away with all Malice. Now we get here to the final work. You see, God wants to work in my life. Then He will work through my life in putting away lying and being angry and sinning not, not giving place to the devil, stop stealing, speaking that which ministers to grace, putting away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and all malice. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, verse 32, we're lived in any spot on this earth. That would be the most wonderful spot in the world to be in. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? And this is the, be ye therefore followers of God. This is how we're to follow God. Jesus said, how are they going to know you're my disciples? By your love one for another. And if we'll stop and just look around here and be really, really honest... As we're assembled here as a church this morning, we have some visitors with us, and we're not trying to impugn you in any way. Uh, we're glad you are here, but uh, we, we do want to look into the mirror of God's Word and be honest. Are we really as lovable as we would like to think we are? We know what that answer is now, don't we? We're not. Do we really love others the way that we should? We know what the answer to that is as well now, don't we? Well, Paul says, be ye therefore followers of God. If you're going to follow God, this is what we're to do. Now, now we get to the main crux here of, of the message as dear children. Now, what that word as means in there, we dealt with this already, verse 14. You are not to be developmentally a child. You are to grow in grace and faith. You are to not be pushed around by all of the tricksters and liars that are out there. I mean... Uh, people often say, well, Pastor, I found something here. Uh, uh, somebody gave me a book or I looked it up on the Internet. And, and I, I want to challenge you that if you really want to look something up, look it up in here. The danger is you can find someone on the Internet who agrees with you. If, if you look far enough and long enough, you will find. I don't care what it is. I mean, if you're one of these people that believe the greatest thing that man can accomplish is to smoke marijuana, uh, there, there's a cult in, in Miami, Florida. It was formed several years ago. Uh, and, and their religious ritual is to gather together and smoke marijuana. And and, and uh, I, I remember seeing a special in 60 Minutes or something when I was a teenager. This was a long time ago. And, and they quoted, God has given every green herb of the field for meat. And he's got a big old wad of marijuana just going. 
Well, last time I checked, when the food is smoking, it's, it's burnt, and burnt food's not good to eat. Now, isn't that true? Uh, I mean, if God really wanted to give you something to eat, and by the way, God is not for you being wasted out of your mind either. I'll tell you the most wonderful thing about Christianity is that you can enjoy being fully cognizant of what is going on around you. Only a Bible-believing Christian can live that way. Amen? And, And so, it says, as dear children. So, as would mean not physically, not developmentally, not... Not locked in as a little child that's easily deceived. Paul takes care of that in chapter 14. But what is it that makes a child so wonderful? Innocence is the first thing, isn't it not? The fact that a little child is trusting. The fact that little children are guidable, they are teachable. I often say, I love the little babies before they can talk. Because you can just enjoy them and and talk to them and they listen to you and they really don't understand the thing you're saying and they're not talking back yet. When they start talking back, sometimes it's not so much fun, is it? But... The idea here is little children are teachable. They're guidable. And we are to follow God in that little children mode. You know, sometimes God puts some things in this book of the Bible, the book called the Bible, and the only explanation that he gives us is because I said so. You know why? Because he wants us to follow him as little children. Can we say amen to that? But then it puts another adjective in there. What is that adjective? As dear children. Oh my. Let me read you the definition of dear. Definition one. Glorious. Noble. Honorable. Worthy. Say, so, oh, I think I flunked that definition. Definition number two. Regarded with personal feelings of high estimation and affection, held in deep and tender esteem, beloved, loved. Now, the Bible tells us that we are to follow God as dear children. Be ye therefore followers of God. Now, I want to go back to my opening story about the teacher's pet. You see, when a teacher has a responsibility to teach, and a student has a great desire to learn that subject that is being taught, there is an automatic bond between the two. Would you not agree with me on that? When that student makes it easier for the teacher and the teacher actually feels a sense of accomplishment because they can see the mind grabbing a hold of this subject and learning and and building upon it. We, We do not even call that teaching today. We call that mentoring. Actually, that's what teaching ought to be. Because just having information disseminated in a classroom or even from a pulpit doesn't work. That information must be accepted on the part of the student, internalized, not to change the information to fit the student, but to change the student to fit the information in a biblical context. Are we still together on all this? So here's, here's what we got. We got twofold here. If we're going to follow, be, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, we got a twofold connection here. Number one, 
I as a student, I as a learner, I as a child have a responsibility to listen in such a way that will engender the affection of my teacher, which is God. Do you get what I'm saying? How many of us have done something that we know the Bible says because the Bible says it and didn't like it? My hand goes up and I'm a preacher. You know what? That is not following God as a dear child, now is it? That is following God as a petulant child. And if you don't know what that means, look it up. It's not good. All right? There's an idea here that if we're going to follow what Paul says, be ye therefore, we have that based on the love of God. We have it based on all the things that God has given us. If we're going to be a follower of God, we've got to let God do the work in our life of putting off the old man, putting on the new man. That work that God does in our life is not meant to stay here. It's meant to reach out and touch others. That's why i got to put away lying. i got to be angry and sin not. I've got to stop stealing. I've got to deal with these things because... The ultimate summary of this is, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The next verse is, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. It's just like giving, prayer, all of our worship. We have a duty to worship God. But could I challenge you, there is an art form. There is an artistic element. There is an art to all of these things. Have you ever heard somebody pray and you just knew? That whatever they prayed about, God was listening. See, they got it. They got the duty and the art. I thank the Lord. I've met several, uh, many people over the years that have developed the art of giving. That's one of the reasons we have this building. is because God touched the heart of some people who just uh, love to give the, uh, the man that really helped us at the time we needed it. He, he loved. He sent me an email and he said, checks in the mail, hope it helps. Well, it most certainly did. It was a $150,000 check. Uh, I'll tell you what, and when he passed away, I met his daughter and she had asked us to uh, write a little note for the funeral. We couldn't attend it. It was clear across the country. And so I wrote a little note and she wrote back said, Oh, Father just loved to give that way. He loved to give in such a way that nobody knew what was happening until it was all done. I'll tell you, there was an art form there. there. There's an art in worshiping God. You don't have to sing all the notes right on tune to sing in congregational singing and worship God and add to our worship of God. There's a part of this that you and I got to grab a hold of. If we're going to be, ye therefore, followers of God as dear children, we've got to grab a hold of this, that God is interested in how we follow Him, that there are things that we can do that would give us that title as highly esteemed and beloved and greatly valued. But then there's a second part to it. You see, the definition is regarded with personal feelings of high estimation and affection. How many of you understand that to God, we are already dear children in spite of our lack of doing the things that we should? Can God love you any more than he already has? I I challenge you, he cannot, because he is God. 
For God so loved the world, what? That He gave His only begotten Son. You know, we live in a world where people are insecure. And sometimes people look at me and they say, How in the world can you be so sure? Oh, it's really easy. I'm a dear child of Almighty God. He sent His Son to die on the cross to pay the price for my sins. My God cares about me. Any amen? Amen. Because God is no respecter of persons. When is the last time you sat down and just thought about how much God loves you? You say, well, that's pretty tough. Things are miserable in my life. Well, wait a minute. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Maybe you haven't been working as hard on that first point of being dear as you could. Because that hinders you to understand the second point of the word dear. You see, we, we want God to, to love us just the way we are, but the problem is we want to stay just the way we are. God can't let that happen because His love is too great. His goodness is too good. You see, the next verse kind of explains it. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. I want you to think about this. We just finished Christmas. I love Christmas. I just enjoy it. And I hope and pray that you were able to enjoy the time. I enjoy having family around and friends and being able to make contacts and uh, uh, renew acquaintances that sometimes uh, just because of schedule and distance, the only time we talk to them is when we send Christmas cards or whatever. I, I enjoy that. But why did Jesus come to Bethlehem's manger? It wasn't for his benefit, it was for ours. Jesus had to grow up 30 years, and we only have one little story when he was 12 years old uh, that happened in his entire life, and that one wasn't very, didn't work out very well for Jesus. He was trying to do right and still got punished for it. Uh, don't we have some little clause we, on no good deed goes unpunished or something like that? I mean, why don't we get the rest of Jesus' life? Because the details were so boring and normal that it wouldn't make a bit of sense to us. But then, all of the frustration Jesus had to put up with from the disciples. Here He is standing in front of them in His resurrected state, and they're trying to climb out the window of a second-story building because they're terrified that He's there. They don't get it that He resurrected from the dead, that He now has the power over sin and over death, that He did all of that suffering for us. And what we can't walk in love is He walked in love. You see, we've got to hold on to what we think our life is going to be about. We, we can't surrender to Him. Oh, I wouldn't want my kids growing up and being crazy preachers and missionaries. No, I want every one of mine to, by God's grace. He has given so much that the lives of my children in His service would be a very small repayment for what He has done. Would you agree with me on that? Well, I, I just want a good life. I wish I had a dollar for every person. And told, I got a good life. I do. I wouldn't trade it with anybody. 
for anything. Say, well, if you really could be rich like Bill Gates. No, I, I don't want to be rich like Bill Gates. Because I don't want to have to go around apologizing for what God has given me. I've never had to do that serving the Lord. And our church has done some incredible things with missions. I'm looking forward to going to the home missions conference this week. Uh, There's been some extra offerings coming in. We're going to take close to $8,000 to the home missions conference. And I get to give it all away. I'll tell you what, if you... This is my Christmas present, is being able to represent our church and help other churches. Because that's what we're about. Amen? Because for so long, we had to stand there and say, will you help us in New York City get started? Oh, I am so thankful. That's what it means. More blessed to give than receive. You have to have something to give. Amen? And God has given us some things. Why? Because some people have decided to follow Jesus as dear children and live in the love of God and give and worship God in here in the fellowship of a church. And now we can go and represent and take that love to dozens of church planners who need the same help that we did 25 years ago. Now, isn't that wonderful? It says, be ye followers. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. The challenge of this message is for each one of us here to examine their own personal relationship with God. So question number one. Do you have the therefore to be what God wants you to be? Are you saved? Do you have the love of God living in you? Are you involved in the ministry and a willing part of the local church? If you don't, doing those two things, you don't have the therefore. Are you willing to take everything that God's given you And use that as a platform to start giving to others. God works in you, but He wants to work through you to touch other people's lives. Do you really understand that God is love? That God loves you as an individual? He loves us as a church. And that God wants us to love each other. Do you really have a hold of that truth if you don't? This sermon is like, wow, he talked about a lot of cool things, but none of it's in the real world. Let me tell you, it's all in the real world. It's whether you're a part of the real world or not. Are are you willing to work on living in such a way that your obedience to God engenders his love in your direction? That's what being dear is talked about. That's... I'll tell you what, I've never really desired to be any teacher's pet. But I sure do want to be God's pet. I, 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 want, I want God to have some business to do here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I, I want to learn that art of praying, of preaching. The art of invitation is one that every one of us need to work on. Not just coming up here and praying some prayers, but making some decisions, asking God to to change our hearts and the way we think about things, in in our giving, in our attitude, in our love toward others. Uh, We're not lovely people by nature, but God will give us the grace to love and care for one another as we ought to. As dear children. And you see, the other half of that dear is I don't need to be insecure about surrendering to God. I do not need to allow my circumstance to drive me away from God or to make me feel like God is any less loving than He was 
when he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Oh, sometimes we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yes. But God still loves me because he said so. And if I will allow that love that's coming from God to touch my heart, it gives me the ability to put away all of those things that need to be put away so that I can love my fellow man. See, that's what being a little child is about. I used to do children's church work, and I remember uh, one time... We were in Baltimore, Maryland. My wife was not my wife at that point. She was just visiting that week, and she got to meet my family. But we had 132 kids. Inner city projects. I mean, they were busing them there to the church. It, it, was, a, it was a tough group of kids. And... Uh, there was just a lot of things going on that just weren't exactly the way they ought to have been. But I'll tell you what we started doing. We started teaching and giving them a, 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 a form and enjoying one little kid said, yeah, you're just mad at me because I'm whatever. I think he said he was mad. I was mad at him because he was black. And I said, no, sir. I said, I'm mad at you because your mouth is open. Now, how about you shut it and join with the rest of the group? And things started changing. Before the end of that week, we had 132 kids just singing their guts out one second. And I mean, making the most terrific noise. And then we go, what? And we were, I mean, you, you can have so much fun. You know why they did that? Because they knew that we had their best interest at heart. And they were learning. And they were having fun. We were only there for a week. But I'll tell you what. They were following. They came back every night. Once they found out what was going on, man, they just kept bringing their friends. And I'll, I'll tell you, we just, we just had a ball. You know why? Because we were loving God. And because we love God, we are able to love those kids. And I can't remember the exact number, but there was like 25 kids saved that week. It was an amazing time. Church, if, if we want to see God really change things here, we've got to get a hold of these two verses. First, you've got to get saved. You've got to want to become as a little child. Then you can follow God as a dear child. Because He already loves you. You've got it. You can't get any more. But could you work on following Him in such a way that engenders that return affection? You follow what I'm saying? Will we pray about that? Because once we do, it will open up a whole new world in your relationship with God. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would do your work in our hearts and lives. Lord, There are some here today that are unsaved, have yet settled the issue of their eternity. Lord, my prayer is that today would be the day that they would surrender to you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we have many more that are following God because of some form of duty or grudging willingness of necessity. We understand there is no other way, so we're going to go this way whether we want to or not. Lord, we ask you to work on that wanter, on that desire, on that becoming as dear children. Lord, 
would you work in our hearts that we may learn the art of following you, following God as dear children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing the song of invitation, if you need to come and pray, the altar is open. If you're not sure about your salvation, just look this way as you come and we'll take the Bible and show you how you may know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home.